Hello and welcome to the Power by Rock podcast, where I'm going to be speaking with the Nashville-based indie rock band, The Dreaded Laramie, after putting out an EP titled The Dreaded Laramie P. Hard to say, but it sounds cool and it looks cool on the, on the moniker there. In 2019, they're set to release their next EP called Everything a Girl Could Ask on May 13th, which is a Friday. But damn those superstitions, because I'm sure that nothing magic will, nothing but magic will come to the band upon release day. We'll be speaking to The Dreaded Laramie right after this. You're listening to the Powered by Rock podcast with your host, Isaac Kuhlman. The Powered by Rock podcast was created to help showcase some of the best rock musicians in the world and to pass on to future generations the rock music that has inspired rock fans around the world for decades. We want listeners to be able to hear great stories and life experiences directly from their favorite artists, as well as dig deeper into music theory and talk rock like no other show you've ever heard. This isn't about looking cool. It's about getting real and having a great time. Without further ado, let's start the show. All right. Hello and welcome to the Power Bar Rock podcast. I'm super excited to be speaking with MC, Zach, Andrew, and Drew. Andrew and Drew from the band Dreaded Laramie today to talk about their music and the roller coaster of what being in a band entails. So, hey, everybody, welcome to the show. Hey. Thank you. All right. So before we dig into the new EP, I would like to take a step back and just kind of get a bit of an introduction from you guys to the world as you're kind of a rising fan that a lot of people probably haven't heard of right now. Uh, hopefully that'll change in the very near future. But I just kind of want to see, like, how did you guys all come together as a band and how did the project start in the first place? And MC, if you want to start, I guess we can go from there. Totally. Yeah. Um, I'm MC. I play guitar and sing in the band. Um, and one of the founding members, uh, Zach and I put this band together originally back in uh, 2016, if you can believe it, back when we were in college together. Uh, so it started with us and a couple of different members um, who are still uh, dear friends to us. But uh, we we picked up Drew along the way uh, in 2018, uh, and Andrew joined us uh, just in 2021, just like just over a year ago. It's hard to believe. It feels like it's been a lot longer than that. Yeah. Um, so Andrew, just out, just out of curiosity, was the mustache intact at that time, or did you grow that in the meantime? It's yeah, it's well, it's uh, it started there and then it went away for a little and now it's <laughs> on the comeback. Very cool. Because I'm Run like, it thoughts. looks like a pretty recent mustache, but uh, could be could could just be the way that you manicure it. I don't know. No, it's uh, yeah, I'm growing it back out nice just in the last couple of weeks. Cool. So, did you sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you, MC, but uh, just thinking of the, the length of him being in the band and how long that mustache must have taken <laughs> to grow is, is kind of like connected in my brain now. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so, I think, it's an important issue. I was gonna say, I, th I think that's how long it would take me to grow to grow yeah. that mustache. Is the yeah, I don't really grow the, the facial hair very easily, so I have to shave. But it's it, otherwise, I just look a freaking weirdo. I got all this patchiness. It's not very cool looking, so I don't do that. Um, but let's get back to the actual task at hand here, and let's talk about the music because. I do, I, I think I, you know, one of my favorite things about your guys' sound is it's reminiscent of some really great female-led bands like the Breeders, uh, Veruca Salt, a little bit of like Taco Cat, and I'm probably just showing my age with some of these references, but uh, what influences did you kind of have when defining the sound of the Dreaded Laramie? Yeah, that is such a good question. I, I'll say a few, I'm curious to hear what others will say too, but uh, like in terms of, um, Female-fronted bands, uh, definitely, uh, no doubt, it has been a big influence to us uh, for developing the kind of sound and feel and especially stage personas. Um, yeah. Charlie Bliss is a band that we love, too. Okay. Um, I, I, like, I feel like, for me, anyway, the three kind of um, bands that are the closest in our orbit and the biggest influence would be like Charlie Bliss, um, Pup, and Roswell Kid. Okay. Uh, those are three bands we really and, oh and weezer of course you yeah look behind zach and see but yeah 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 I, I mentioned that in our pre pre little interview talk that that giant wall thing of weezer i'm like that's pretty awesome which actually that's a great segue because that's what i was going to talk about next because uh i think in one of your guys's bios it said something that you guys bonded over weezer b-sides which uh you know i'm a huge weezer fan i really like the early stuff a lot more than the new stuff and i really like the unreleased and b-side stuff even more so so i'm curious what kind of b-sides are we talking about because i think some of the stuff like death to false metal and 
And even I've heard, I've heard the unreleased album uh, songs from the black hole, which, which basically what led into um, uh, uh, what the hell's the name of Pinkerton. I'm like, I was going to say Pikachu at first. And that's, that's not right. <laughs> That'd be uh, great. Pinkerton. Uh, it led into Pinkerton, but it basically kind of caused a split in the band. But uh, have you guys, what's your kind of, what are we talking about here? Is it, is it more like in that mid two thousands era with death to false metal and some of the, unreleased stuff that uh rivers was putting out at that time man it is it is any and all of it um yeah. to be honest like I, I mean this is a good mix between i guess between the two questions is that uh uh i feel like when i when i first really uh you know really really started hanging out with with mc back in school uh it was when we had just gotten home from uh, uh from winter break and right before winter break, I had told MC like, "Hey, you should check out uh, this band, The Rentals, and oh, Weezer yeah. is this band that I care a lot about." And when MC had gotten back from from break, she like like knew all of it and yeah. could, and we would like take drives and just like get really, really into it. Um, you know, it, it, it started out as being like just kind of the the Pinkerton B sides and being really into like you know, tragic girl and you gave your love to me softly. Yeah. It's a great song. Um, and uh devotion. God, they're like they're like all good, honestly. Yeah. Um, but I would say that we've we've kept up with it and for like a lot of new releases that have come out since then, we we also have hard opinions about those, like how <laughs> uh how good the white album is. How bad and... the black album was, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In my opinion, I'm like, wow. Yeah. I van uh van weezer wow man i was like so disappointed in that one but anyway that's me <laughs> yeah i mean i was I like if i wanted to make a whole album of guitar trolls i could have just you know had eddie, eddie eddie van halen just do that for like oh he already did that for like 10 albums cool i should just listen to that instead <laughs> yeah anyway <laughs> um i mean so yeah the era of weezer i think i think mc and i both agree that we we can find uh can find diamonds all across their catalogs. Sure, but, absolutely. Um, but also, you can find uh, whatever the opposite of diamonds are. <laughs> Coal. <Cool. laughs> sure. <Fair. laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and I and I totally get that. I mean, they're one of those bands that have the the quote unquote hardcore fans that like can't like anything past Pinkerton. I'm like, Maladroit's a great album. The Green album wasn't so bad. I'm like, there's some good stuff in there. Uh, but then, yeah, if you look at like the Red album, for example, I get like a little lost because I like some of the songs, but then other songs I'm like, this is just horrible. Um, but yeah, I digress. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, talk about an album with great B-sides. The Red Album, the B-sides kill all the the A-sides. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I Am the Greatest Man in the World probably wasn't my favorite Rivers Cuomo <laughs> song of all time, but I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> but yeah. Miss anyway, Sweeney is great. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That Rivers, that dude is just such a creative force. He will... Yeah just make everything that his heart desires and give it all to us. And so, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I'm grateful for that, for the, for yeah. the good and the bad. You for know? sure. I mean, <laughs> it, otherwise we wouldn't have, you know, all that other stuff that he puts out and that's like, well, that's really good. Why didn't you put that out? And, and then like, uh, uh, okay. Human comes out and it's like, they don't even talk about that one. It's like, that's a really good album. Why didn't you talk about that one a little bit more? <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right, so let's get back to your guys' music. I just think that it's fun to, you know, obviously have a shared bonding experience with a guest on the show. But uh, one of my favorite things about your band is uh, uh, it's kind of reflected in a quote. I think it was from Drew. It was on the Sell the Heart website where Drew says, uh, everybody's weird. We just try to desperately hide it. And I feel like this is kind of a way to explain indie artists and maybe your music as well as like, you know, it's kind of like a social awkwardness or a you know, an inner introvert kind of thing that's kind of being expressed through these pop rock anthems. Did you have anything that you else you want to add to that, Drew, or uh, MC, you want to kind of hop in there and, and add anything to that as well? Oh, I could, I could talk about that forever. I feel like there are so many different angles to tackle it from, like uh, the way that both uh, catchiness and what we consider uh, accessible uh, also digs into like, 
social anxiety where you are uh uh adding in something that is uh more accessible for the sake of like communicating <laughs> your, yeah. your desire to be understood um and then from the other angle stuff that's like totally uh incomprehensible even to yourself uh also trying to communicate <laughs> wanting to be understood so yeah uh i don't know there uh uh i could talk about that uh all day <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it is kind of one of those things that especially for introverted people it's actually easier to write a song about how you feel than to tell anybody in person like hey this is what i think about you or like you know confront somebody on an issue it's like i'm just gonna write a song about this and never talk to that person again <laughs> and uh you know i i think uh not to put you on the spot here, Zach, but for me and Zach, like uh, neurodivergence comes into play where it's like, well, my brain doesn't work like how most how the world thinks it's supposed to. So <laughs> I'm guess I'm just going to like hit these strings as good as I can yeah. uh, and hope that that's something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's it's probably one of my favorite things about musicians and artists in general is that they don't have to play by the same playbook as everybody else because everybody else is thinking like oh this is exactly how things work it's all very linear um you know if, if i see a step-by-step -step manual on life i'm gonna do that whereas artists are like i'm already bored after like the first step so let me go ahead and try something else <laughs> this isn't working the way i want so let's go ahead and see what else is out there and you know obviously when especially you know fronting a band mc it, it's it's different than you know even you know because you guys don't have to say anything just you're you know singing background vocals but you don't have to be like the the face the the voice of the band in, in that sense of like what's being said now obviously anybody can contribute to the lyrics in the band but you know mc as a, as a singer is the main focal point for what people are looking at do you ever feel like you know hey you know i got i got a lot more at stake for what's actually coming out of my mouth or you know, you know, I don't know if you are an introvert or an extrovert, but most artists in general are usually introverts. So when they say stuff like at first, it can be kind of nerve wracking. And then once you get going, it's like, this is just I don't care what people think anymore. Yeah, I uh, definitely am an introvert, a hard introvert. Yeah. <laughs> uh, has the um, li uh, looking for a one bedroom apartment in Nashville, <laughs> regardless of the cost. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I, um, I mean, I think that is hopefully um, like this very issue is something people notice as a difference or like a point of hopefully growth and development from the first EP to the second yeah. um, is in the first, uh, like I, we, we love those songs, but it doesn't feel like there's a lot at stake. Um, uh, they are not very, for the most part, not very personal songs. Yeah. Um, and this new EP um, is uh, considerably more kind of, personal and and revealing and uh gets into uh vulnerabilities and insecurities um yeah. which is a trajectory that's only kind of continuing the more confident uh we become as a band and i the more confident i become as a result of therapy yeah um, <laughs> uh, becoming able to like discuss these or i don't know discuss is maybe a funny word but yeah to be able to um talk about this stuff um in songs in a very public way yeah um, yeah it's so, so it's well let's it's dive into it because uh, sure. the, obviously the newest single off the first off, uh, off the new ep is tell me right so it seems like it's a bit of a reaction reaction song to you know people telling you what to do some gaslighting some mansplaining whatever you want to call it but you can definitely tell it's like it's it's in there and it's a very i think it's a very um in the in the forefront issue right now especially with women because you know and I'll, I'll talk about this in a second but donald trump made gaslighting uh, a national like pastime almost it was like what what the fuck i don't know how you how can you lie so much and then make people feel bad about you lying about it that makes no goddamn sense to me but uh i just kind of wondering if this is kind of a little bit of that message and tell me or is, is, is it totally off base or is there some of that plus some of the other stuff about like how people are you know because the whole point is like you're going to try and find, you know, go back home and, and be around the people that love you. But it's like, you're trying to explain this issue to, to the person in the song. Right. Yeah, no, I think you uh, totally nailed it. It is like uh, definitely a song about trying to recover a kind of um, sense of self and get back in touch with who, who you are or who I am um, because of this, like, yeah, total self alienation, uh, or like gaslighting, if you if you want to call it that, which in some cases it is, and maybe some cases it's just 
um, like, I don't know, similar, but related or different things. Um, yeah. Well, I think you talked but, about like, um, you know, taking a, a, a less of a, a more, more subordinate role in a relationship to, you know, try to make the, the relationship work. And it's like, that's not usually the best thing to do in a relationship. Cause then it's like, you're not being who you truly are. Mm-hmm. I'm going <laughs> to stick that one in my pocket and save it for later. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. I, I think uh, just to, just to chime in too, that like uh, what you're describing and like um, it, it is one of the things that like that I've always loved so much about particularly rock music is, um, you know, uh, whether as Drew was mentioning, we were talking about, you know, there being some like neurodivergent stuff or, um, you, you know, all of the ways that we like look to look to other people to give ourselves our like kind of our sense of identity. And I think, um, uh, this band in particular um, has been a really, really powerful um, uh, experience for me to like kind of reclaim all of the times that I felt like sort of like powerless or helpless because of not fitting into a certain yeah. stereotype of like kind of what I'm supposed to be. And so tell me is like t to me is like looking and being like, OK, well, uh, like like I've for so long been been looking to other people to give me the the validation that I need or something and I think like that song and uh what I you know hope our music will make people do is feel like empowered to like kind of be their be themselves and have like yeah. that confidence within themselves yeah and I don't think it's uh female or male specific right I mean it, it's for any person of any gender of any you know binary like non-binary binary um role that they want to you know, project or whatever. I think anybody who knows anything about human interaction is there's always one person saying you should be like this and another person going, well, I don't feel like I should be like that. <laughs> it's literally every single relationship, no matter if it's friends to friends, you know, parents, a child or whatever, it is always that kind of thing. Or, you know, obviously, you know, romantic relationships, it's, it's constant struggle of, you know, find somebody who will let you be yourself and is, is happy with that. And then in the end, uh, that's very, it's very tough to find, but then when you do, it's like, it's like, a, a, it's, you know, it's like fit, fits you like a glove kind of thing. So one thing I was going to say, and I kind of talked about it, but, uh, I will say that I absolutely abhor Donald Trump and, uh, have since the first time I ever saw that dude in back in the eighties. But one good thing that came out of his presidency was the awakening of gaslighting and mansplaining and really looking into this in a public thing. And basically, you know, it's the case study in how to be a, a shitty human, basically. Right. So now that we have that playbook that we can say, here's what you shouldn't do as a person. Do you think that that kind of helps? Like in, in for instance, when you're saying, you know, you know, basically reflecting back what you've been told in, in these same situations, do you think it kind of helps people identify, Hey, this is, not right anymore. We can't just tell people to, what to do and then make them feel bad about it. Do you think that's kind of like more prevalent and more of a uh, kind of both sides, the, the, the person who's being the, the explainer and then the person who's being the receiver? Do you think that both people are more aware of that now? Uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like uh, when some when a phenomenon like that is so um, like uh, foregrounded in the country like in the media yeah. in your everyday life yeah it can't help but be um more easily recognizable which doesn't necessarily like <laughs> make it a great thing or like justify it like um yeah at all but uh that yeah i mean i think you could definitely look at that as a um silver lining of a byproduct of that kind of thing happening it would always be yeah. ideal if uh if that kind of thing was recognizable through other means um, yeah. Then it becoming just the norm. But yeah. Uh, and, and unfortunately, some people took it as like, I can and now it's okay, because the president does it right. So then there's the opposite of that, which makes it even worse. <laughs> yeah, yikes. Uh, yeah. What, what happy, exciting times. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's just having a normal one. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just curious as, as to, you know, obviously, as a, as a, as a, independent rock band um you know i'm curious as to why you guys decided to um, follow up an ep with another ep i know most bands probably start with a few eps and then do a full length i think even one band i, I was looking the other day they did like six eps before they ever had an lp and i was like 
well, that's a lot of EPs. Like you could have just made a greatest hits album and put it as an LP or whatever. But um, what was the decision behind you guys going for another EP? Was it kind of like time, money, getting momentum thing? Or was it just like, here's what we got right now. And this is what we think we can put together. Um, I feel like I've been talking a lot. Drew, do you want to take this? Oh, sure. Yeah, I feel like, uh, I don't know, we may all have different answers to this, honestly. The way I remember it is, uh, like, uh, partially expenses in that, you know, we are uh, <laughs> doing this ourselves, and we have, yeah. you know, wonderful friends who we are uh, fortunate enough to collaborate with. Uh, but, you know, uh, we're just doing this ourselves right now and raising the funds. Uh, so part of it's that. Um, part of it uh, is uh pandemic i mean it's easier to <laughs> uh get uh three songs together when you have a, a tight schedule around uh being living in different cities and yeah. also having to uh intersperse quarantining and stuff uh we are working towards uh an album so you know that's uh in the works that's something that we've been uh working towards for a while now um but uh at least as far as i remember the ep it's kind of equal parts like well uh we love these songs how they sit together uh we uh want these to be able to be an artistic statement together and then also just the uh like functional well we want to get something out there exactly. and uh <laughs> we only it's have like, so well, much money we can't wait two years for an album but we can put out this ep in like three or four months <laughs> Yeah, we had originally intended for them to be singles that would uh, bridge the gap between the first EP and the album uh, that were supposed to be recorded. So we released the first EP fall of 2019 yeah. um, or end of summer uh, and then planned to record these songs at the beginning of 2020, uh, release them while we worked on the record. Of course, that didn't happen. Uh, yeah. And so we weren't able to record them until uh, uh, last April. Um, so... Yeah, that was uh, the pandemic did not help with the timeline whatsoever. Yeah, for sure. But so, yeah, it, it's certainly not due to lack of uh, lack of material because we have over twenty songs uh, that we're narrowing down for the record right now. <laughs> so we've got plenty. Of I was material. gonna say, if I show up, are you guys only gonna play like five songs and be like, "We're out, see you later"? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> it did uh it did work out uh in a way having to reschedule the recording uh, and push it back because uh because we pushed it back uh we were able to through through zach uh bring andrew in uh nice. and i think that these songs are so infinitely better for it so you know it's easy to it could be easy to mourn uh the loss of like oh we could have recorded these you know a year earlier or whatever yeah. but honestly it's kind of for the best because we got to have andrew on them yeah that's awesome so i mean yeah the uh the one thing i think that's it's awesome is because i have actually had the privilege of hearing the whole ep the three songs for this uh this new one um mc sent that to me earlier today and i was like these are damn good so i i will say that in my opinion, and I think anybody who could listen to that, including you guys, would look at this as a higher production value put behind it. Um, the songs are a bit more up-tempo. They actually do have some of that Weezer feel behind it, which I was pretty excited about. I, I can hear the extra guitars in there. I can hear the little solos in there. And uh, definitely the up-tempo-ness of it was was a lot, a lot different. So, you know, the songs Archipelago and Where Do, All, Where Do the Hard Kids Go um, kind of fit in there perfectly with tell me it's it's like you said drew the three songs kind of fit together so well that i think that you know if, if the if the whole album that comes out is anything like this phase it will go kind of from the indie rock to kind of more like the pop rock and it will be a lot more accessible to a lot more people because i thought all three songs were fantastic thank you so much yeah you're welcome yeah. <laughs> and and andrew uh i will say that i think i'm pretty sure I'm trying to remember the, the tell me video, by the way, in that video, you guys play some interesting characters. And uh, I was just curious if you, every, and if, if any of you guys felt like you kind of were like really channeling an inner, you know, coach or inner person that was like, this is, this is great. I get to act like this person. Cause I've always wanted to be that person. I know Dre, you're kind of like the, uh, the uh, crazy coach in that one. And, but uh, you know, there's some pretty funny characters. I'll just ask kind of do a round table. Yeah. 
how did you get into character and what were you thinking as you're in that character? Uh, for me, really, all it took was the outfit. Uh, <laughs> it kind of lent itself to me. <laughs> character. And um, I feel like I'm, it's an appropriate role for how I act uh, in terms of our band dynamics anyway. Yeah. So it just uh, was seamless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um for me i'm a uh an erstwhile theater kid okay. uh and back in so they gave uh, you the best acting job in the, in the, in the video game. <laughs> <laughs> back back when i was like actively doing theater stuff uh i always wanted to get to play the villain yeah. Uh, and all of the directors, this was in high school, uh, and all of the directors were like, Drew, you're too smiley. There's no way you could be a villain. <laughs> and I was just like, you know, I was like, you don't even know that I have an anxiety disorder. I'm perfect for this. Uh, <laughs> have you not seen Joker, man? <laughs> I've, got, I've got this down. But uh, it's kind of funny because I couldn't get uh, I couldn't get any director when I was actually like interested in theater to cast me as a villain, which I really wanted to do. Uh, just cause that was the only like avenue that I felt was acceptable to like act mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and Can't just go out on the street and just yell at people in their face and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But if it's <laughs> on stage, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, but now, uh, like music videos and stuff, I feel like everyone's kind of all the directors that we work with are like, what would it even look like if Drew was like really pissed off? Uh, so, uh, so yeah. Just send uh, that I, as your audition tape. Put me in the high school to, player. Yeah, I'm gonna send it back to. Uh, <laughs> I'll send it back to uh, Mr. Van Dievender and say, "See what you missed. <laughs> you could have had this high camp." Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, it was uh, me getting to express the um, high school play villain that uh, I had always wanted to be when I was 17. That's funny. Man, and you know, just like how Drew always wanted to be a high school play villain, uh, I got to channel my childhood dream of outperforming at anyone athletically and winning a race. <laughs> um, so I got to dress like an athlete, which I'm not, got to uh, run in slow motion like an athlete, which uh actually was like way more of a workout than i was expecting it to be the the, the uh, funny thing about it is that was full speed it just looks slow motion <laughs> right yeah that was yeah uh and i got to eat a bunch of bananas so uh well you don't want to cramp was, up obviously right yeah keep it <laughs> keep it nice and loose um and yeah and i thought it was it was funny that i was uh mc mc's antagonist in the music video yeah uh yeah yeah we kind of oh we kind of uh slid past this but it, it should be noted that when zach said got to eat a lot of bananas it was a, a pretty horrifying scene us just all like scarfing down as many bananas as we could to get the banana peels because we didn't want to just throw them away yeah um, waste not want not good thinking yeah right it was a very public track too. Like there were, <laughs> there were real people like running around trying to use the facility while we were doing, while we were doing that. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I, they all did an excellent acting job. Um, I did not do really any acting at all. Um, I was just kind of myself. Uh, but it was it was hard to keep any kind of straight face or do any kind of real acting while they were all being so funny the whole time. Yeah. There was a lot of laughing <laughs> happening um, that day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that, you know, the, the person whoever edited it was like, Oh, thanks a lot. Like I got to do all these like cuts and takes and <laughs> put this all together. Now everybody's laughing all the time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's comedy. It's worth it in the end. It's the result that matters. Not the, uh, not the uh, arduous job of it all. Right. No matter how many bananas you eat and how many things you have to edit, it's worth it. <laughs> I think. Let's go yeah, back to your. Well uh, yeah, let's go back to your previous EP because I was curious. Uh, in your Bandcamp bio, you actually say that it was all recorded, mixed, and mastered, <laughs> with the only equipment being a single humbucking pickup. Which I that's was like, true. that that's absolutely impossible because you have drums, you have vocals. Like you're not singing and tracking through a humbucker, are you? Uh, explain what you mean by that. Cause I, uh, I thought it was shenanigans. 
Oh, it is. Uh, but <laughs> the, I mean, the humbucker pickup in the bridge position, uh, like sums up kind of the ethos, uh, and aesthetic of our band. Well, I think, I don't know. That's what I would say about it. Uh, yeah, it is a lie. Unfortunately. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, it's a lie in the sense that there were other mics put up, but we just ended up deciding to mute them uh, for the final results. Uh, so, yeah, what what we had done was um, we had put up the humbucker just kind of like in the middle of the room as a as a room mic to pick everything up. And it was intended just to be like flavor thing. You know, it's like, oh, we'll run this through some hardware, yeah. you know, give it a lot of character and then just mix it in quietly. But as we were listening back to it in the control room, we were kind of like, this is actually kind of all it needs to be. So, you know, it, it's a line it's that like, yeah, we did you put other mics up when we were in there. It's just, you know, didn't actually end up using them. Yeah. This is, this is a great joke for anybody who has studied audio engineering or. This is, yeah. Yeah. Stuff. <laughs> and for pretty much no one. <laughs> I can only be idiosyncratic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know, obviously, like, I've, I've recorded, I've produced and mixed and mastered my own garbage, um, which just the amount of effort it takes to even get, like, one song to sound good with all the equipment you have is, is tough enough. So I will say that the easier and more simpler you make it, sometimes the better it sounds. So. I can't fault you for saying, Hey, you know what? Let's just use the simplest piece of equipment we got and see what that sounds like. Cause it, it sometimes works better than all the advanced garbage that you have on that software over there. <laughs> right. Yeah. It made me um, so happy to hear speaking of this, that you thought um, the production value sounded so much higher on this one because uh, this, the new EP, because yeah. we recorded this whole thing in a house um, and recorded the other one, like at a studio. Yeah. Uh, like the other one should have, <laughs> like i don't know i guess like in terms of equipment was maybe higher production but yeah. i'm really glad this one sounds better yeah well in my opinion production value i think really comes from time spent on doing it the right way more than what you use and what equipment that you you spend on you know spend money on because in reality we all know that you could spend 10 years on on editing any song to try to make it perfect but at some point you just got to let it go and say this is as good as i think it's going to get or so close that I don't think I can spend any more time on this without driving myself insane. Right. And there was yeah. a big difference in the time spent on uh, recording the stuff. We spent one day on the first EP and a whopping two days on the new one. <laughs> Double the value right there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, we are really looking forward to being able to record in a more relaxed setting. We've been very used to, I mean, we're like a band um, that has been forced to get really efficient and good at optimization because yeah. we have had a long distance relationship and we've had these recording situations where, yeah, to like pinch pennies, we are in the studio for just one or two days at a time. And so yeah. everything has to be really well rehearsed. So like, you know, for the three months leading up to recording the second EP, we were just running the three songs at all our band practices. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's going to be uh, great, you know, hopefully one day to, uh, I mean, on the one hand, be more relaxed, uh, when we live in the same city and can kind of practice more often. Uh, yeah. uh, and then also, uh, yeah, hopefully take some more time in the studio for, for future stuff. So I'm, I'm looking forward to loosening the belt a little bit on yeah. the activity. Well, I will say, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty old guy here back in my day, uh, bands used to have to practice the entire thing that they were going to put down. So that way you could just go into the studio and run it as fast as you could. So that way you'd have less mistakes to fix. Right. So that's not the case anymore because people have like all the equipment they want in their homes basically at this, at this point. So they can just sit there and meddle with stuff, which sometimes makes good, but more often than not makes more experimental garbage that I'm not usually going to say is better than if they just practice the songs like they wanted them to be had a band around them and especially with quarantine it was really tough to do that but you know i always know that when i play with a band it always sounds better than when i try to make music on my own because i'm only in my own head and it just it's not as good so um you know the when you're kind of like when you're on the tight schedule it seems like you do find a way to make it as tight and as as like nice and and best sounding and then you go to the studio and say let's just record this because that's what we're here to do we're here to record some damn music. 
Totally. And if it's okay for me to connect what you just said to something um, you asked about earlier, because I think no, it's really relevant. I don't think so. I, I think you're gonna, <laughs> I think you're gonna put me through something here. You're gonna say something no, no, no. and make me look bad. No, I'm just kidding. No, Go no. Ahead. <laughs> no it's. Uh, I mean, I think that what you just said, like about um, the like collaborative value of music, relates a lot to um, the ways that like making this kind of music is a kind of cure for the problems of uh, introversion. Like yeah. it uh, is, yeah, like you're saying, so easy to just get in your head when you're uh, just in your room making music on your own uh, and can bounce things off the walls of the inside of your head forever. Uh, but it's so like, yeah, it's amazing how, how uh, much better it is when you can like work on a song with friends yeah. um, and like push each other to grow and put each other in check. Um, yeah. You ever turn to like Andrew that. and be like, Hey, double that speed mofo. <laughs> uh, actually, <laughs> Most practices. Yeah. <laughs> That's a direct He's like, I hate quote. you guys. I hate That's you guys weird. so much. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. Um, but so to segue into the next thing, I was going to say, I'm going to connect something back to what we were talking about earlier. So connecting what, instead of me, what you actually were talking about, um, and I think it is a bit about that introversion. I do want to talk about the original single off the first EP, Daffodils in Love. And you were saying that it wasn't, that that EP wasn't so personal, but it, that particular song seemed a bit more personal than some of the other songs on the album. Um, and it's, you know, the whole song is kind of about a woman sitting in a bar, uh, not sure when she should leave, also not sure if she should go home with somebody, then I think ends up going home with somebody uh, after quite a few drinks. Um, but it's kind of one of these things like, you know, as a person who, you know, I, I like to go out, I like to have fun, but there's always this thing about like, if you go out and you're not having fun, why the hell are you still there? Should you just go? But then at the same time, you're like, if I leave, what am I missing out on? It's like, what do I, how long do I have to stay here before the fun is really gone and it's not coming back. Right. So I'm not sure if that's the exact sentiment of the song, but I'm just curious as to like, you know, do you feel like sometimes going out for the sake of going out is kind of just played out or is it kind of something like as an introvert, you're just trying to fit in and this is kind of what you have to, you feel like this is something you have to do. Whereas in like, and tell me, it's kind of like, you're not, you're, you're pushing back at that concept. Yeah, I, I definitely um, now do not do any kind of going out for the sake of going out um, <laughs> <laughs> at all. Uh, and I should, I should mention too, that that song, um, I'm glad it sounds personal. Um, it's actually a like modern retelling of the myth of, um, uh, Persephone in Hades. Okay. Um, yeah, that's, I am in school, uh, right. I'm a grad student. Um, and I specialize in ancient Greek stuff. Uh, and so well, I was that, a history major in, in ancient Rome and ancient Greek were kind of my specialties. So don't get too much into the Greek more in the Roman, but still had to read it all or read a lot of it anyway, but yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's yeah, great. So. Well, sadly, I only have, um, I've only got uh, Greek texts on my bookshelf. No, yeah. no Latin. Uh, <laughs> so. Well, I named my son Augustus based on the emperor Augustus. So. Whoa, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I still got like Resgastai up there and some, uh, some other stuff by, uh, you know, uh, like Sophocles and Aristotle and Plato and all that stuff. Yeah. Socrates and all those guys, or as uh, Bill and Ted might call them, Socrates. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's awesome. So I didn't know that that was kind of where you're going, but that does make more sense as to why you're saying it's not personal because it's just fitting it into more of like something that could be brought into your life now from past text. Right. Yeah. Yeah. As much as I wish I was cool enough to be the kind of person who was actually out at bars, getting crazy, making those kinds of decisions. Um, just at no point in my life have I been that person. <laughs> maybe, maybe one day, but uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't have bad FOMO really at all. Maybe I, this is probably a deficiency. I, sh I probably should be more concerned <laughs> about missing out on things than I am. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think most people, especially after pandemic, most people just kind of stop caring because they're like, there's nothing I'm missing out on because I already knew what was out there. And, and you know, when you're sitting at your home, you're like the first couple of months, it was like, I'm missing out on everything. The next couple of months, it was like, I'm missing out on nothing because no one else is doing anything either. <laughs> but yeah. So I, I know like you guys are doing some regional tour. Like, yeah, I, I don't despair enough. 
Yeah. I'm not despairing <laughs> enough. I need to get some more of that. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Isaac. No, that's all good. So I was just going to say, I know you guys are doing some regional touring, obviously, now to promote the release of the new EP. Um, talk about what it's like actually playing together again and, and playing shows in front of people and, and you know, playing these songs from the EP in front of people. And I know a lot of people are still trying to activate their fan bases because they've been dormant for like two years. And it's kind of hard to get people to come out to shows because I've seen big bands like the darkness, for example, like the darkness is a pretty big band and they didn't have a huge following show up in Las Vegas. I was like, this is pretty disappointing. It wasn't like, like small by any means, but you'd think it'd be pretty big for the darkness. So, you know, for indie bands, I'm sure it's even a little harder to get people to show up at these things when it's like, you know, we've had two years of our momentum cut short. So talk to me about that. First, I just have to reflect on the fact that I've been trying to repress this like for a couple of months now. The Darkness the is one of my FOMO. favorite bands. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> of, yeah, of all time. And I've been, I had tickets uh, for their show at the Cannery Ballroom on May 12th, 2020, uh, that obviously was canceled. And when they announced their, uh, like the new Motorheart North American tour, I was so excited. And then I saw that the Nashville date, which is Friday, um, we also have a show that night. And so I'm yep. not getting to see them and I'm like <laughs> desperately sad about it. Um, <laughs> actually another band, the dead deads, I think they're from Nashville as well. So they're yeah. kind of a cool connection as well. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I'm so jealous. I wish we had their <laughs> support <laughs> slot, <laughs> uh, but maybe one day, but, yeah. uh, sorry, I'll let you, I, I want to hear what you guys have to say. I mean, it's been awesome. It's been so much fun getting to play for people. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? I just want to say that uh, we've learned the one instance of uh, MC experiencing FOMO. Uh, <laughs> no, the darkness. For the darkness. Yeah, it's been the best. Uh, like, it's it been an absolute blast. You know, we've still had to be kind of uh, intentional and selective about uh, how we schedule things, but just every time that we've been able to uh, get on the road, get out in front of people in, even when we're just playing together, you know, in Andrew's uh, like extra bedroom that we've <laughs> set aside as a practice space. Uh, it's been so much fun. Yeah. It's awesome. Andrew, you have any, uh, any, uh, insight i mean do you do you think that like because obviously you kind of are newer to the band so like it's probably not like you can't see like what was it like before the pandemic with this band and what was it like after but how's it been kind of jumping into this band and then kind of just kind of going from from nothing to something obviously yeah it's been um very good i don't know any other way to put it um this style of music we play isn't necessarily what I had played before joining the mm -hmm. band or even listened to much. Um, so I still find myself um, pleasantly surprised with how great of a reception we get when we play in places we've never been before. Um, and my bar is set like very low. So <laughs> any amount of positive reception is like, uh, just, you know, feels really good to. Well, I think that's a good way to go about life is don't expect anything and just wait for the good things to come to you. It's yeah. a Roman philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> Especially after the pandemic. Um, and Nashville also has a weird vibe about um, getting people to come out to shows because there's so many musicians here. Um but everywhere we played, both in Nashville and outside, it's blown my expectations out of the water. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. My, um, uh, for for me, my like my favorite part of this whole thing is uh, is getting to to like play music with my best friends, you know, which is like what I've what I've been dreaming about since I was a kid. And so, uh, you know, dreaded Laramie shows used to be you know, maybe, maybe like one a month, every other month or so, like when we could get it and it was a big deal. And, and I was like, all right, like, please like come to this show. And so now that we are touring, like, you know, like a, like a real, real professional band and getting to go to all these different places and stuff, it's really, uh, I don't know, it's, it, it's been really, really rewarding to kind of see the, uh, 
to, to kind of see the dream kind of kind of unfold and yeah. um, and get to like get to share what we do with a bunch of different people and uh, experience different places along the way. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I mean, I've never toured as a musician. Uh, basically, been I played shows before, but never done any touring. But I can imagine, like, you know, if and and I've talked to other bands that you know, independent bands that like, oh, you know, we had guys in uh, Prague and denmark singing our songs and nobody in the u.s even knew who we were and i'm like that's crazy like can you imagine that like going to like some foreign country where they know your music better than anybody that even you know as friends know your music that'd be pretty crazy so yeah. wild yeah yeah and i also just want to throw out like you know uh as far as like number of people coming out to shows like it varies any given show but i think that something that has been really wonderful with this band has uh, been sort of adopting this mindset of like okay it really doesn't matter how many people like the quantity of people who are at this show yeah. like that's not what this is about uh you know the people who are there uh it's like about being appreciative to them and uh giving them everything we can that night uh to you know uh make it worth their while to have shown up uh yeah. i think that's a you know a plus side of living in nashville is that you know the while while it can be disheartening sometimes that everyone's a musician and no one really wants to go out to gigs because it's like that's my day job i yeah. uh want to <laughs> give my ears a break then it's also kind of gives you some perspective where when you play a gig it's like it doesn't matter how many people are here. I'd still want to have a great time and show whoever is here an awesome, an awesome night. So, yeah, Drew, that's like, that's a, that's a good point too. And from, you know, from, from our perspective on, on stage, I would say that it's been like a very, um, uh, a very conscious and uh, intentional, uh, like, I guess, eh like it's been a lesson that we've learned and that I've learned from this band, which is to like, you know, draw our energy for shows from each other and trust each other to like, to, uh, to, to make it fun for ourselves instead of like necessarily always looking to the audience to get that sense, you know, yeah. uh, that, that has helped me a whole lot because it, it goes back to the, um, this like being reliant on yourself and being confident in yourself. And so like, if, you know, if, if we're a band that can have fun with each other, no matter, you know, no matter where or when the show is happening, then that makes like every show super worthwhile to me. Yeah. I will say if you're looking for a crowd reaction and, and that's the reason why you started a band, well, you're probably in a cover band or you're singing karaoke because that's the only time anybody ever cares what you're doing up on stage. It's like, oh, that's a song I know. That's not your song, though, but I'm going to sing to it. But if you play your own songs, they're usually like just standing there going like this at best. And if you get that. That's a pretty good feeling. <laughs> totally. All right. So we'll add some links to the show notes uh, below this episode and everything. But uh, before we go, did you guys have anything that you wanted to kind of mention, you know, plug, say anything to the listeners, tell them about, you know, where you guys will be or, or how to find you or anything like that? Yeah, totally. Um, so I guess the first thing is this will be um, announced like formally in a few days, but we have a new single coming out in a couple of weeks where the hardcore kids go. So you can be on the lookout for that. And yeah, we have some shows coming up. Um, we're uh, in Nashville and Lexington, um, April 8th and 9th, uh, which is just Friday and Saturday. I'm not sure if this will be out by then. This will be um, a little, this will be past then, but that's okay. Oh, no problem. Well, and then after that, we're uh, in Cincinnati on the 21st, uh, West Virginia in Huntington, on the 22nd and in Philadelphia on the 23rd um, awesome. with some, yeah, lots of uh, summer dates kind of out West and in the middle of the country that will be announced. Uh, in yeah, a couple weeks I, here. I, I'm almost hundred percent certain that Las Vegas will not be on that because nobody ever comes to Las Vegas, but that's okay. Not this time, but maybe <laughs> next time. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Anything else you guys want to add uh, Andrew drew or Zach? I saw you had Tim Casher on the show. That's great. Yep. He is an absolute <laughs> favorite of mine. Uh, yeah. literally, I think the man is like a genius, brilliant person. So, um, yeah, I'll actually uh, be interviewing uh, Vaden Lewis from the Toadies coming up as well. So he's a huge, huge fan. I'm a huge, huge fan of his as well. Yeah. yeah. So if you wow. like Cursive and Tim Kasher, then, yeah, I think we'd be we'd get along really well. 
<laughs> I had Ugly Organ is uh, an incredible album. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's uh, I'm just now I'm plugging other bands. So <laughs> now you're plugging my show, which I appreciate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else uh, you guys want to add or Zach? I think you might have something. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I just wanted to say, like, thank you so much for for the work that you're doing and for, uh, you know, getting a uh, getting a spotlight on people that um, that are still trying to trying to kind of figure themselves out and stuff. That's that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, you guys, this has been awesome for me because you know th- I like to dig into the minds, and I don't just like to ask these superficial questions. So hopefully, the 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 entire conversation we had was a uh, both fun and um, I guess introspective i guess i want to say um but yeah i like how i just go really high in voice when i'm questioning myself but um yeah i think it was awesome so i want to thank you guys so much the dreaded laramie for the awesome conversation today if you guys haven't checked out their music yet make sure to go to the show notes below this episode click on those links go listen to the music uh first ep's all out you can go check that out anywhere on, on streaming the full uh episode or full, full new ep will be out on may i want to say 13th yeah it was friday the 13th that's where i was, I was like i know it's like a superstitious holiday yeah it'll be friday may 13th um that'll be a couple of weeks after this episode airs but you can go check out the first single tell me the music video as well and then obviously the the second single for where the hard kids go um is that where the hard kids go yeah i think that's the name of it yeah i think i got it right <laughs> uh very soon i think it'll probably be right around the time that this airs so that's awesome. So, guys, if you like what you heard on the show, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends on social media. You can see the full video interview on our YouTube channel as well. Also, if you want to check out some of our written content or any of the products or merch that we have available, go to PoweredByRock.com to read our absolutely free rocking blog full of album reviews, interviews, and lists to keep you entertained. I'm going to start that over because I was trying to swallow at the same time as talking. <laughs> this is the behind-the-scenes stuff right here. <clears throat> Also, if you want to check out some of our written content or any of the products or merch that we have available, go to PoweredByRock.com to read our absolutely free rocking blog full of album reviews, interviews, and lists to keep you entertained. And find our gear as well so you can pick up some items to play and look like a rock legend. That's our show for today. We'll see you for the next episode. Until then, rock on. Supposed to be